in 2016, I joined Sakati team and now uh, in my seventh year as its CEO by working collaboratively and effectively with my board, staff, community partners, and unions, we truly have achieved historical transformation with amazing performance or results. This is Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged In-Depth this week with Henry Lee the Chief Executive Officer and General Manager of the Sacramento Regional Transit District, also known as SACRT, in California's capital city. On today's episode, Henry discusses the historic turnaround at his agency, leading it to be honored as APTA's Transit System of the Year for 2021. Henry also previews the upcoming sales tax ballot measure, which, if passed, will add billions to their budget. He talks about their light rail modernization program, how they have funded the Students Ride Free program, their contactless credit card pilot, bus optimization, and ridership recovery, plus look at his unique personal story. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth. This is Transit Unplugged this week with my friend Henry Lee, Chief Executive Officer and General Manager of Sacramento Regional Transit District, or SACRT, in the capital of America's largest state, California. Henry, thanks so much for being a guest today on Transit Unplugged. Thank you, Paul. This is wonderful to join you today. Yes, Henry and I have been trying to put this interview together for a couple of years, so glad we finally got it. And I heard you had great news just recently. The uh, You've been there for many years. Why don't you tell us what happened and your board just moved moved your contract forward again, right? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, about three years ago, my board changed my uh, contract to open-end the contract. means every year my contract uh, automatically extends for three more years. So my board just had a meeting last night, and uh, then that means my contract now uh, automatically extends for the another three years. And so um, this is my seventh year as CEO of uh, Sacramento Regional Transit, and now you know, I secured about like uh, 10 years uh, my employment with this wonderful community. That's wonderful, Henry. I'm really happy for you. And it's obvious why they did that, because the work you're doing there at what's commonly known as SACRT is phenomenal. Tell us some about the transit system itself. Kind of give us a scope of what it is and the size and those kind of things. Uh, yes, we are the largest regional transit provider in the six-county capital region of California. We operate over 82 bus routes, 43 miles of light rail system with 53 stations, ADA paratransit services and one of the largest microtransit services in the nation. Just to give you a little bit of perspective, over the last six years, SACATIC has been a true model of success, rising from financial instability, poor service, and the lack of trust from community in 2016 uh, when, the, when I took the CEO position to making a significant historical transformation in just a few years. We implemented sweeping ship building initiatives. We united the region and a shared vision. We regained the solid trust and respect from the community. And we advanced $3 billion capital expansion and the state of good repair program and created a comprehensive and coordinated 
regional transportation network and made 180 degree turnaround, culminating with a multitude of local, state, and national top awards, including AFTA's 2019 Best CEO of the Year and AFTA 2021 Last Year Best Transit System of the Year awards. And in addition, we feel very proud that we received the Sacramento Taxpayers Association's Outstanding Governance Award for Defending Taxpayers' Funds, which is extremely difficult to receive an award from a community partner who normally is very critical to public agencies yeah. across the nation. And uh, we're governed by a 15-member board of directors consisting of elected officials from all Sacramento jurisdiction partners. We have such a strong board of directors who cares passionately about the community and allows us to be extremely innovative. Kati is a strong advocate for safe, equitable, and inclusive workplace. We employ over 1,500 staff and relentlessly champion diversity, equity, and inclusion. As a result, we exceed our racial, gender, and pay equity goals and other EEO goals. For example, the average pay for female employees actually is higher, slightly higher than male employees. That is very difficult to achieve, that goal. And then our annual budget, operating budget is about $231 million with a capital budget of about $270 million. So a total of about $500 million annual budget for FY2023. And we have been able to add new services and lower fares and significantly increase our financial reserves. So I'll stop here. Okay. That's a great description of the service. Thank you for that. I'm interested in two things that you said I'd like to follow up on a little bit. You mentioned that you have one of the most expansive microtransit projects in the nation. And that, of course, is a hot topic. I'll actually be speaking on that at the AFTA Tech Conference with some other chief innovation officers. Can you tell us anything about that microtransit service, maybe a little bit more about it, how it operates and what the results have been? In 2018, we start to reimagine and redesign our entire bus network. When we did comprehensive operational analysis, we found out that there's some transit deserts in our 440 square miles, the whole service areas. And our whole service area is supposed to be 1,000 right. square miles, but we only serve 440 square miles. And we noticed that some disadvantaged communities and populations, they severely lack the transit connect- connections. So in 2018, we started to launch a new on-demand microtransit service. I think at that time, we were the first transit agency in the nation to offer on-demand services, uh, microtransit services within an entire city that also connected to adjacent communities and the city too. And then since then, we expect to mine major zones, cities, and communities throughout the entire region afterwards. We team up with a private service provider to the on-time scheduling reservation platforms, just like a Uber, those type of stuff. And since then, this program has become the largest and one of the largest 
and uh, amongst the most successful microtransit services in the nation, providing essential services to many disadvantaged communities and the populations with very limited transportation means. During the pandemic time, our ridership you know, from the microtransit service actually increased. And uh, annually, we uh, carried about more than 300,000 rides. On the microtransit service? Yeah, and the microtransit services. And uh, since we start very early and uh, we shared our uh, experiences, and uh, certainly that's a lesson that lessons you know, we learned too. And yes. uh, we shared that with lots of uh, industrial peers. And uh, now you say you know, microtransit is a hot topic and a trend in the nation now. Yes. Wow, that's amazing, Henry, that you had an increase in ridership and and uh, the number of riders t- taking a ride on that is is great. You've you've got a you've got a future ballot measure that you were telling me about in the green room before we get started. You want to tell us about that? It sounds like you've got something great lined up. Yeah, absolutely. But before I get into that, you know, this topic, let me just just uh, say, you know, today is the thirty uh, seconds. That's right. Of the Americans with disability the landmark, you know, civil rights law. Yes. And we are so proud we are able to provide the undemanded microtransit services to you know, our communities in disadvantaged and or, you know, low-income communities because a significant percent of our riders are citizens with disability. Mm. That's why this is so important and so popular. So back to the, you know, the, the question you just asked yeah. about the Barrett measure. Sacramento is a very unique place compared to our peers, San Francisco, San Diego, and LA. We receive very limited local sales tax or local fundings. Okay. In 2016, we put a sales tax measure on the ballot. We get 66% of the votes. We were short 0.7% of the votes. Could you have to have a two-thirds vote? Two-thirds. Yeah. Wow. That was close. No cookie. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Then we, we, we try to improve our service and again, you know, gain the trust and the confidence from the community and make sure you know, more and more citizens will support to add more local, stable financial resources for the public transit and also for the roadside and other transportation needs too. The community leaders in the in Sacramento get together about last year, try to take a very real exception from state legislation, which is citizen-led initiative, which has nothing to do with the elected officials and the public agencies. So a group of these leaders, citizens together and uh, uh, start uh, prepare for the citizen led initiative for the sales tax measure this year. One of the major hurdles is to get enough signatures. We need about 55,000 valid signatures to be qualified on the ballot. A month ago, we received close to 60,000 valid signatures. And so we're like 110% get valid signatures. This measure will, it's about 40 years, will generate close to $9 billion. And uh, we got uh, public transit, got the line shares of uh, this $9 billion. And then some, uh, some money will go to the municipality, you know, public works, uh, highway, uh, 
uh, for them to use for their transportation needs. We expect you know, we will be able to pass this with the required 50% plus one uh, votes. Because right now our poll uh, shows 60% of citizens will likely to vote yes on this. So we're very excited for this initiative because this really will significantly improve the, you know, our transportation network in the region and add more services for our essential needs of our, our community members and stakeholders. The $9 billion the local sales tax will likely to get way more than $9 billion match from the state of California because this just the last month, state of California had $95 billion surplus for last year, from the last fiscal year. And $95 billion, uh, some of uh, billions of those money will be allocated to the uh, statewide transportation agencies. And the majority of those money are competitive discretionary based, which requires significant local match. So this will really help us. Needless to say, the bipartisan law will provide hundreds of billion dollars in the next five or 10 years. So this really will uh, jumpstart uh, uh, our bright future in the transportation perspective uh, in the region. That's amazing. So how what will the sales tax be? What percentage will you get? Because currently you're only at like one-sixth of one cent, right? Yes. We're going to get more than 42% of the money. So we will get about like $3.3 billion. And likely will be $3.5 billion because the current, the, the, the current estimate is very conservative. Gotcha. And that'll be on this November's ballot? Yes. Very good. And I know you've got a, a big capital program in place with a light rail modernization program and zero emission vehicles coming. Tell us about some of the big projects you have on the books. So in 2018, we launched a light rail modernization program, try to bring our stations, facilities, and the fleet into a state of good repair. Our library system started about 32 years ago. We never really you know, put money into the state of good repair in the last 30 years because, like you said, you know, we had we already received one sixth of one penny sales tax from the local you know, uh, perspective, and we did not put money for the state of good repair. So we were desperately to need some funding to start that. But when we start that program, we 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 have been very successful in securing over. $500 million in the state and federal grants, discretionary grants, three times more than expected, just in the last couple of years. And like I said, when we start this plan and this very bold initiative five years ago, we never dreamed we will be able to secure three times more grants fundings in such a short period of time, which, which is really because of the, 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 the great performance we have provided to the community that convinced the grants agencies from state and federal government to try to help us. And the library system is a backbone of our public transportation system in the whole region. We now we have received the funding for of 44 new state-of-the-art, spacious, low-floor, more accessible new library cars, which actually are being built by Siemens in 
Sacramento, that you know, is a great way to boost the local economic development. California has very stringent mandate in terms of electric uh, vehicle or electric buses conversion. Our board has approved a zero emission bus conversion plan to transition Sacati's fleet to 100% zero emission by 2040, including more than 600 vehicles. We just started the fleet conversion in 2018. We secured approximately $20 million in funding from private partner called Electrify America. And there's lots of stories behind that, and we don't have time to talk about that. But you know, we get about $20 million from the private partner for 12 zero emission electric buses and charging infrastructure. Now we are partnering with a private investor to build likely the largest charging hub in the nation in one of our library stations. That hub will have up to 100 charging bumps. And as a matter of fact, this private investor is proposing to build about 100 charging hubs around our library stations and bus hubs to serve not just Sakati's needs in the future, but also public demand. And we do not have to pay a dime for the construction cost. We actually will get some royalty fee from using our surplus properties. So we are well on the way to uh, convert our more than 600 vehicles to zero emission by 2040. And then we have some you know, other uh, exciting uh, uh, capital projects too, and uh, we can talk in the future. Okay, that sounds good. Hey, I wanted to ask you about ridership. You've got basically today we've outlined you've got a you've got a great system serving the capital of California. You've got potential new funding coming in. You've got a lot of capital projects. Let's talk about the riders and the people who are riding now. I know you're back to providing 100% of the service that you had pre-pandemic, but how are you looking as a percentage of ridership here at the end of July of 2022 as compared to pre-COVID ridership in light rail and bus? So our current ridership is in a steady growth pace. Okay. And now our bus ridership is over 60%, 60% of okay. the pre-pandemic level. Our light rail ridership is close to 45%. And the reason our light rail ridership is not growing as fast as bus is because majority of our riders are commute commuter riders, yes. and those commuter riders are state workers. We have about 100,000 state workers, and our state has been you know, very strict in terms of COVID requirements. So super majority of state workers have not come back to uh, work in the downtown areas yet. So that average give us about 53% of the pre-pandemic ridership. And we, are, we have implemented lots of innovative initiatives in the past several years, such as I just mentioned our on-demand microtransit service. Our students' ride-free program is very successful. If you have time, I can briefly share some details with you. That's good. Yeah. I know that you're one of the cities in the country that provides school transportation like I used to in Baltimore. Tell us a little bit about that and about your optimization and contactless fare card program, some of the great initiatives you've done. Yes. 
So in 2019, Psychiatry was the first transit agency probably in the nation to implement a system-wide fear-free program for students or youth in grades K through 12, certainly foster case or homeless youth. All those students will be fear-free. The program really removes the barrier to success for students by providing transportation to and after-school activities and creating lifelong transit riders. We start from a request from school districts because we do not provide the school buses in our school districts. And as a result of that, our school district superintendents may, may reach out to me, tell me that, Henry, they have about 15% of students normally are absent because because of lack of transportation means. Their parents either cannot, don't have time to drive them to school, whatever. I mean, as a result of that, 15% of the absenteeism results in 15% of the federal or state formula-based funding reduction as a huge blow to the school districts. So we worked with school districts and the elected officials in those municipalities. And uh, we developed an agreement for the municipalities, the governments, and the school districts to pay a fixed amount of the fares and for us to provide a free service for all about 230,000 youth or students. And uh, this has been so successful in May 2022, we had over 300,000 students wrote with us within that month. And uh, we received strong financial support from all psychiatry jurisdiction partners to continue the program in the fourth year now since last, last month is our fourth year beginning. And uh, the, the beauty of this program, students without pay, psychiatry will still get the fair revenue. And uh, then students Ridership accounts for about 20% of our total ridership now. And in the meantime, we have another 20% of ridership come from the low-income citizens. But they get fully paid by the Department of Health Services. So we get 20% of free, free students to ride with us. And we get 20% of our ridership but low-income customers, they get they get they feel, they feel get paid from the the the, the DHS. Yes. So we get a 40% of ridership are actually ride free, but the transit agency gets the paid from them. Right. That Indeed. is just so great to to promote greater access and equity. Yes. And tell us about the contactless fare payment program you've got with Visa cards and other devices. I know you were the first public agency in the state of California to have contactless fare payment on light rail trains. Tell us about how that's worked. Has there been an uptick in, in the percentage of people that have done that? I know when I was in London, maybe five years ago, they had just implemented it and it was received tremendously. Within six months, 40% of the people riding in TFL were using it. So how is it, how is it working there? Uh, so we just you know, uh, implemented it. Uh, the reason we did this, California uh, State of Transportation Agency, they have been very innovative and uh, very uh, taken the leadership uh, role in terms of uh, to make sure the whole 
state of California, about more than 100 public agencies, we have a universal fair payment system. And so they start to work with a whole bunch of private partners like Visa and other you know, companies. So customers can use a Visa card or mobile phone to pay in all transit agencies in the state of California. And then they teamed up with us to have a pilot program in our library system. And uh, the private investors put the devices in all of our 97 library vehicles early this year. And then we start to start testing. But uh, we, we only select like 1,000 customers to do the pilot. Okay. And uh, like 6% of our customers. And uh, that has been working extremely well. And as a result, just uh, last week, the Caltrain and the CalSTA award us additional money to uh, the touchless payment devices aboard all of our buses. That's really just you, know, you go to grocery stores, use your attached uh, the platform, then you get charged. That's great. In any of your uh, travel agencies in the state of California. So we, we're the, the first pilot agency. Yes. We, we're very you know, happy to team up state agency, transportation agency on this initiative. That's very And then you talk about a bus network optimization. And in the middle of 2019, we implemented a complete redesign or reimagining of the entire bus system. And that reflects new travel patterns and future economic development. And as well as to, to promote greater access and equity for the region. And when we completed this, implemented this, we immediately, we immediately saw about 9% increase in ridership you know, prior to pandemic. And uh, with the students' ride free, with on-demand microtransit service, with uh, our aggressive TOD uh, program, and uh, we got like a 15% ridership increase right before the pandemic started. And uh, unfortunately, COVID, Hey, that's all. Right. There's so many things you've got going on there. I know we could talk for probably another 30 minutes about them, but we are getting close to running out of time. But I wanted to talk about your personal career story a little bit, Henry. I know you've you've had quite a career, and I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk some about your background. Yes. My background probably is a little different from many of my peers. I uh, completed my master's in China uh, in later 1980s. After I get my master's degree, I start to work for a couple international companies in China, and I learned a great deal of the business practices and skills. Then at that time, the United States of America is the dream place for all, you know, for, for many business, the new, the, the, the people who just enter into business. So I come to you, U.S. in the middle of 1990. And I get my MBA in Georgia Southern. And then I start my career with a great agency, Marta, in Atlanta, Georgia, where I manage nearly $1 billion operating and capital budget, and also net operational efficiency improvement program system wide. And also worked closely with all stakeholders and peers to streamline our business processes 
and provide customer-centric solutions to provide highest possible quality of service to the customers and the communities. Then about seven and a half years later, I moved on to work for several dynamic transportation agencies across the country, including San Francisco Muni, by taking more leadership responsibilities to promote equitable service, advance large capital projects, and enhance the mobility networks to better serve each community. So right before SACRT, I served as a senior executive at the Jacksonville Transportation Authority led by industrial leader Led Ford. And you interviewed him twice. And I hope sometime I have the honor to interview with you twice. So at, at JTA, uh, we completely, completely redesigned our bus network too, which result in better customer experience and higher ridership. We also built and, and uh, construct about five major BRT lines in the entire region. As a result, we transformed this JTA from a mediocre agency into uh, start from 2004 to, you know, to a award-winning agency when the after 2016 Best System of the Year Award. And by closely working with many colleagues uh, and uh, also working with that and that leadership. Uh, in 2016, I joined Sakati team and now uh, in my service year as its CEO by working collaboratively and effectively with my board, staff, community partners, and unions, we truly have achieved historical transformation with amazing performance or results. That's wonderful, Henry. What a great career story, working with some of the icons in the industry and now ending up leading one of our most iconic cities in the nation, Sacramento, leading their transit system. Thank you so much for being our guest today, Henry, on the show. It's been a great kind of overview of what you're doing, your big projects, your upcoming funding. We wish you all the great success as you continue, now that your contract's been renewed for another three years, as you continue to lead this important transit system in the capital city of California. Thank you, Paul. It's a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged In-Depth with our guest, Henry Lee, CEO of the Sacramento Regional Transit District. And next week on Transit Unplugged News and Views, we have April Ray, CEO of the Conference of Minority Transit Officials, or COMTO. Don't forget to head over to transitunplugged.com and sign up for our newsletter so you're always in the loop with everything that's going on in the show. And if you'd like to reach us, have a comment, question, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.